Take your Bibles and turn in your Old Testaments to the book of Psalms. Psalm 90. Psalm 90. We're going to stand here in just a moment and read the entire psalm. <clears throat> this is an unusual psalm for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's the oldest psalm that you're going to find in the whole book of Psalms. This is the, the very first uh, psalm that was written. This psalm is a prayer. And it's, it's the only psalm that was penned by Moses. Uh, Moses uh, wrote this. He cried unto God. And boy, if anybody knew about the eternity of man, or the eternity of God and the frailty of man, it was Moses. And, uh, you know, when you read Exodus and you read Numbers and how that, what Moses went through when uh, he was uh, leading God's people out of Egypt and then what he went through when he went into the, into the wilderness and uh, spent all that time there, 40 years, uh, with those people, just complaint after complaint after complaint. Uh, you can see why some of the conclusions that come out uh, in this prayer are there. Let's all stand together if you would. And if your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, please allow them to look on with you as we read Psalm 90. You read along silently as I read aloud. Beginning in verse 1 says, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. And you see how that fits with Moses? Because they had no dwelling place. They wandered around them in the wilderness, but God was their dwelling place. Verse 2, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return, ye children of men, for a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. Thou, thou carriest them away as with a flood. They are as asleep in the morning. They are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and, and withereth. For we are consumed by thine anger. By thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our, of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of, of strength they, they be fourscore years, yet is their strength labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger even according to to thy fear, so is thy wrath. And verse 12, I believe, is kind of the theme verse that, that sums up the entire chapter. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O God, how long? And let it re repent thee concerning thy servants. O satisfy us early with thy mercy that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us, and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants, and thy glory unto the, their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish thou the work 
of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, it's uh, good to be in church on a Sunday morning. And Father, we pray that as we look into your word, that we would allow the word of God to permeate our, our being and to, to, to speak to our hearts. May the spirit of God this morning uh, have his way and his rule over us today. We ask God that as you speak to us that we would respond. I pray, Father, that you would give me the power and the understanding and the clearness of mind that I so desperately need in order to be able to communicate your wondrous book. It, it, it always amazes me, Father, how that you call finite, sinful, wicked men like me to proclaim your holy, wondrous, infinite, eternal word. Uh, Lord, uh, it's because of the word that you are glorified, and we pray that you would be glorified in all things today, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. All God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. So I said, this is, a, this is a prayer of Moses, and particularly in the first three verses, there are three things that, that uh, Moses uh, gets across and and because of these three things he comes down in verses 1 through 11 he comes down to verse 12 and says because those things are true then therefore we ought to uh, we ask you to teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom the three things that he that he brings out in those first 11 verses are number one that God is eternal and that the time really means nothing to God. Time is, is not, not a thing that, that uh, concerns God or bothers God. You, you look in verse 4, and if, uh, if you're familiar with your New Testament, it may have, the same thing may have happened to you that happened to me if, when I read it, uh, immediately thought of a New Testament verse. Uh, verse 4 says, For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night, and over in, I believe it's Second Peter, it says, a day, uh, a day with the Lord is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. So, so uh, time is not something that is anything to God. And, and, because, and it's because he's eternal. He's from everlasting to everlasting. Uh, we aren't eternal. We are finite and we're very frail. And then the third thing that he, that he brings out is that God is eternal, we are finite, and God hates sin. Look down in verses 7 and 8. It says, For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Why? Because thou hast set, set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. In other words, nothing, nothing gets past God. And, and uh, God is eternal, Men is frail, men come and men go, but, but God never changes. And boy, that ought to be a comfort to you. That ought to be a blessing to you, to know that we have not only an eternal God, but we have a God that is steadfast, that is unchangeable, that uh, is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Uh, we have the, the, you know, the same God that they served in the Old Testament, is the God that we serve today. Uh, Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1 says, For I am the Lord, I change not. 
God does not change. And man does change. Man is frail. Man is mortal. But God is eternal. And, uh, and you see man's frailty uh, throughout Scripture, but particularly uh, there's several verses that, that point to the fact that uh, man's days are numbered in the, in the book of Job. Job 7, 6 says, uh, our days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. In Job 7, verse 7, it says, uh, my life is wind. You know, it, it just kind of blows through and then it's gone. Uh, Job 9, 25 says, my days are swifter than a post. Now, this isn't talking about a fence post, okay? It's talking about a, uh, a person who delivers messages. And you're saying that my, my, my days go faster than that. Uh, Job 9, 26 says that our days are passed away uh, as the swift ships, as the eagle that hasteth to the prey. So our, our time here is, is extremely limited. And we serve a God that has no beginning. Down in verse, uh, go back to, to uh, Psalm 90 and look down in verse 2. It says, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting. And what that simply means is he has no beginning, he has no ending, he always has been, he always will be. And because of that, God is the one who is in control and God knows, you know, we, we, we often say God knows the end from the beginning. Well, that's because he is the beginning and he is the end and so he knows everything in between. Second uh, Peter chapter 3, as I, as I said before, says one day is with the Lord is a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. So if you think about that, we, we from the, the day of creation until today, we're talking about in Scripture, we're looking at approximately 6,000 plus years. And uh, so with God, uh, only six days have passed. Because uh, a day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. So time is, is not really of an essence to God. But time is of an essence to us. Because it makes it real plain and real clear that our days are few. Look in verses 7 through 11 with me. It says, For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee our secret sins in the light of thy countenance, for all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. The days of our years are threescore years and ten. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, yet is there, is there strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger, even according to to thy fear, so is thy wrath. And, and he just simply is, is saying that our days are few. And our days are few and our sins are many. Uh, the average lifespan that God says that the average person will have is approximately 70 years. You might get 80. The truth is you might even get a few more than 80. Or you might get a whole lot less than 70. Uh, we don't know. We have no idea. Our life is even as a vapor, the Bible says, that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. 
So if, if that's true, and we know that it is, that God is eternal and we are frail and, and mortal and have really a very, very short time on this earth, why live that time in the anger of God? You know, he says that sin angers him and our, our iniquities uh, bother him and it causes him to be angry. Um, and, and boy, there isn't anybody I don't think that knew that better than Moses knew that. You know, he led those people around in the wilderness and they were constantly experiencing God's anger and they were constantly experiencing God's wrath because they were, they were disobedient. And uh, over in, in uh, another psalm, it, it says this of the children of Israel. I think it's one of the saddest verses in the Bible. It says they limited the Holy One of Israel. And of course, that's talking about God himself. And uh, it says that, that because of the people's sin and because of the people's attitude toward God, God wanted to do a whole lot more for them than what he was able to do because of their sin. And we have such a short time in this earth. Uh, you know, we, we need to be cognizant of not only the fact that the time is extremely short, but, but also that, that uh, uh, God wants to bless us. I mean, he, he wants, he wants to, to pour his blessings out on us. Why live that time in disobedience? Why live that time in disobedience? Whether a person is saved or whether a person is lost. A lost person will, will live this, this whole life, go through the, the miseries and the troubles and all that stuff. And if they don't repent and trust Christ as their Savior, they'll die and go to a godless hell for all eternity. What an absolute waste. What a terrible waste to, to spend that short time on this earth, have the opportunity to have your sins forgiven and to, to know for sure that, that, uh, that you're going to heaven and, and to, to have that lost. And then even for saved people, uh, you know, as far as a, a lost person is concerned, if you're here this morning and you don't know Christ as Savior, you never come to that point. I mean, you might know about him. You might have the information in your skull, but you don't, you have not made it personal. You've not made it personal. Uh, you, don't, you, you have not come to Christ and repented, had a repentant attitude toward your sin, and believed on Christ. Take your Bibles and turn with me. Keep your finger here because we're going to come back. But go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3 tells us that there are basically two categories of people in this world. And honestly... There's two categories of people in this congregation this morning, in this sanctuary. Look with me in, in John chapter 3. I want you to look down in verse 18. It says, he that believeth on him is not condemned. Now, if, if, if you have trusted Christ as Savior, if you've come to the point where you realize you're a sinner on your way to hell, that you need his mercy, and you cry out to him for mercy with a repentant attitude about your sin, and you trust Christ as Savior, the Bible says you are not condemned. If you have believed on him, <laughs> there, that, that, 
condemnation of eternal hell is absolutely, totally past. But he that believeth not is condemned already. You don't have to wait. It's already there. Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Don't live under condemnation. It's not necessary. You know, uh, I, might be, I might be speaking to just, and I, and I say this because um, just recently, uh, Justin Bouchard has, has not only come back to our church, but last June he got saved. Now understand something. He was raised in Freedom Baptist Church. Uh, he heard the gospel. Uh, listen, uh, be, before he was saved, I know this for a fact. Justin, you correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Justin witnessed to people, but it wasn't until June that he trusted Christ as his Savior himself and got saved. I'll tell you, I've seen a difference in him. I've seen a huge difference. And those of you that knew Justin before and know him now, uh, you've seen the difference too. Praise the Lord for that. But you know what? where he was before that? A scary thought. He was under condemnation. You talk to him and he'll tell you the various reasons why he didn't, you know, why he didn't get saved and why he was fighting God and so forth. But the, but the bottom line is none of that makes sense. I mean, for any of us, we've, we've all been there uh, before, before a person can get saved. He's got to be lost. So we've all been lost. We've all been in that condition. And uh, how horrible and terrible it is to live under condemnation. Why? Because our days are numbered. We don't have a whole lot of time on this earth to begin with. And so don't, don't, don't live in condemnation if you're lost. Make today the day of your salvation. Uh, make today the day that you believe on Jesus Christ. And, and then secondly, uh, a person that's, that's saved, don't live uh, in, in disobedience. Because with the disobedience comes chastening. And, and uh, what God wants to do is he wants to bless us. He doesn't, you know, you think about this. How many, how, how many of you folks are parents? You've raised, you either have raised or are in the middle of raising kids, okay? Put your hands down. How many of you just really enjoyed and loved spanking your kids? Let me see your hands. I hope there's no hands that go up. Uh, if, if, if your hand goes up, you're a sick puppy, Okay. But, uh, but the truth is, none of us really enjoyed that. You know what? God doesn't enjoy that either. He does it because it's necessary and because he loves us. He whom he loveth, he chasteneth and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. But it's not something he enjoys doing. And what he wants to do is be a blessing to you. He wants to pour his blessings out on your life, out on your family. And uh, our days are few. Well, not live in condemnation if we're, if we're lost and we need to get saved. And we ought not live in disobedience and under chastening uh, if, if we are saved. Now, because life is short, God tells us some things. Look with me in verses, uh, uh, beginning in verse 12. It says, so teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants, O satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us, 
and the years wherein we have seen evil. Let thy work appear unto thy servants, and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. Because our life is short, and because we're to number our days, God tells us to do some things. Number one is to number our days and, and apply wisdom. Uh, go, to, go, go backwards in the uh, book of Psalms. Go to Psalm 39. Number your days and apply wisdom. Psalm 39 and down in verse 4. Psalm 39, 4. Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is, that I may know how frail I am. Now, you know, you know what the sad thing is for most of us? We don't, we don't pick up on that until we start getting older. <laughs> the truth of the matter is, I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you've got your youth, your strength. You are frail. And I have, and, and, and I have watched it. I've, I've, I've seen someone who had everything going for them, and because of an accident, because of a situation, boom, all of a sudden, it's, it's taken from them. And we are frail. It doesn't take much to push, it, to push us uh, over the line. And because of that, we ought to, to number our days, because there are few, and, and we are frail. Uh, the Bible talks about in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, and verse 16, it says, redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil. The days are evil and the days are short. We don't have much time left. Uh, use what days you have to get to know your God. Use what days you have to get to serve your God. Use what days you have to get into the Bible and let the Bible get into you. And what I mean by that is not just memorizing it, but allow it to have an effect on your life. Allow it to dictate what you should and what you shouldn't do, how you should react and how you should not react. Uh, much of, of what we do in, in life, honestly, 100 years from now, who cares? One of the things we need to be asking ourselves throughout the day, and you notice he doesn't say number your years. He says number your days. And the reason why that is, is he wants every day to count for him. Not just, not just you know, a year you have a tendency to gloss over things. But man, if you're numbering your days, you're watching every single day and seeing if it counts for God. And it can, and it should. And if you'll, if you'll allow it to, it will. Um, you think about the things that you did yesterday, okay? And, and I realize there's some things we have to do that aren't going aren't to amount to a hill of beans in eternity, but they're things we have to do now. I understand that. But what things did you do yesterday that will have eternal value? What did you do the day before that will have eternal value? That, that will last for God. Um, the Apostle Paul put it this way in Philippians 1.21. He, he says, For to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Now, the truth of the matter is, for every one of us, to us to live is something. It's something. 
you know. For some people, for me to live is football, and they, they, they're thankful that we're, we're heading into the fall season right now. Uh, there's other folks that for me to live is work. There's other folks for me to live is my children. Uh, for me to live is my family. For me to live is the almighty dollar. And, and if, you're, if, if we're to be honest about it, there are times when those things become our themes. They ought not to be, because our days are few. But what the Apostle Paul said was, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. That just, that just simply means that every day he tried to center what he did and what he thought and where he went around the Lord Jesus Christ. He wanted his days to count. And he wanted his days to, to, to matter. Then, then down, if you're looking down back to Psalm 90, verse 14, O satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad in all our days. That's the reason why people need to get saved early. I'm, I'm thankful. I'm, I wish I'd gotten saved when I was a child, but I got saved as a teenager, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, I found mercy at the age of 17. And I'm glad I didn't have to go through my 20s and my 30s and my 40s and my 50s and my 60s and soon my 70s uh, without mercy, without the mercy of God. And God has been merciful to us. Get saved early in life. It's there. The mercy's there. Get it. If you're not saved, trust Christ as Savior. And then don't wait to confess sin if you are saved. Uh, the Bible says that he, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is a merciful God. You come to God and confess your sins. He'll not, if you're a saved person, he'll not tell you no. He'll, he'll, he'll forgive those sins because he's faithful and just. And that, that relationship will be immediately restored. You don't have to go a day contrary to God. You don't have to. And, and we need to find mercy and we need to find it early. Find it early uh, in your life. Find it early in the day. Grab a hold of that mercy of God. Um, I, I'm, I'm convinced it's one of the reasons why a lot of Christians have a problem with depression. Uh, Christians have, uh, are living under a cloud, so to speak. Uh, <clears throat> Some, some of our guys, Dave Corey will tell you, I, I, I hate it when somebody comes, and every now and then he does it just to pull my chain. I can't stand it when somebody comes up to me and I say, hey, how you doing today? Well, I'm here. Now, honestly, I expect that from a lost person. You know, if you're just here, you're, you're lost, man, you're, you're killing a bear. But for a saved person, for a saved person, we have victory in Jesus Christ. We have, we have to our disposal, at our disposal, the mercies of God. I mean, when you get up in the morning, the Bible says that his mercies are fresh and new every morning. Uh, there's no reason for us not to, not to, to uh, have the mercies of God in our lives. Uh, mercy gives joy. Mercy gives gladness. Um, you know, you can't play with sin and be happy. Uh, when you play with sin, it takes away 
some of the joy and takes away some of the happiness. But when you come to God and confess that stuff and you get a hold of his mercy, man alive, it changes things. And it, 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 it not only brightens your day, it brightens your whole soul. Then down in verse 15, we ought to number our days uh, because of verse 15, make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us and the years wherein we have seen evil. Uh, in order to number our days, one of the things we need to do is, is find your joy in the Lord. Find your joy in the Lord. You know, what, what, uh, what, what makes you happy? What is your joy and your happiness depend upon. Can I tell you, for a lot of, uh, for a lot of saved people, if it's a sunny day, they, they've got a good spirit. If it's a, if it's a uh, cloudy day, they're grumpy. That means there's a lot of grumpy Christians around this area, okay, an awful lot, because it's cloudy a lot. If that's, if, that's what, if that's what determines your happiness, that should not do it. Uh, sometimes it's circumstances that determine it, and I realize, there's things that come into your life that will sadden your heart, but there ought to be that residing joy on the inside that's always there. Find your joy and find it in the Lord. Um, you know, when, when was the last time you just got happy about God? Uh, last night, I got some, I got some news, and uh, I, 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 I was by myself in the office. I, I got some good news. And uh, uh, I, I, I got happy. <laughs> and I got happy in the Lord. I started praising God. I said, Lord, thank you. I said, Lord, you know how to encourage your people. Thank you for that. When was the last time you just got happy because God is your God? You realize how much you've got going for you? If, and, and what you've got compared to what most people in this world saved or lost, unfortunately, what most people in this world have as far as active in their lives. Uh, you, you've, you've, got, you've got the possibility of being happy in God and having that joy of the Lord and having that strength at all times. I, I realize we all suffer affliction. We all have to face evil in life. But, but even in those times, God can make us glad and God can make us strong. Uh, you know, we, we need to, we, we oftentimes look for joy, look for happiness in every place but God. And in him is joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Uh, we need to join in God. And we, when we do, because God is constant, because God is stable, because God is always available regardless of circumstances, that will be passed on to us in our joy. Down in verse 16, he says, Let thy, thy work appear unto thy servants, and thy glory unto their children. Because our days are numbered, we need to look for God's work and look for God's glory. Um, you see God at work if you look for it. And when you find it, praise him for it and show others. Um, you, you miss uh, getting into a bad accident and you realize, oh, the Lord spared me there. Tell somebody. Thank him for it. 
uh, make it a make it a point. Uh, and this is going to sound strange because he, because he's God. But get God involved in your day. Get him involved in your day. Uh, have a have a a God consciousness about you, and you'll you'll have that if you look for God. Uh, in, in, in the way that he works and look for his glory. Um, point out the hand of God to your children. One of my favorite stories, <clears throat> this was years ago that I, that I heard this. I was in Wisconsin at the time. And uh, our whole family went down to Oshkosh to visit our friends, the Kings. That's Pastor King, uh, Randy King. That, at that time, he was a youth pastor. And... Uh, he had, how many children did they have? I think it's at least six, yeah. Yeah, it seemed like there was about 150 of them there sometimes, especially when he added our crew to the bunch. But, uh, but uh, uh, he, he told me, and he, at the time, he was living in, and I'm telling you, it was a cracker box. It was just a little, small little house. They had six kids at the time. And mom and dad, there's eight of them living in this little house. They had them down in the basement. They had them upstairs. They had them all over the place. And uh, uh, we went up to, or went down actually to visit with them. And we, we went outside. And I don't remember how we got into this conversation. But he had a, a little garden, a flower garden that went around the house. And uh, he said, uh, he says, you know one of the things I do from time to time? He says, I have fun doing this. I says, no, what do you do? He says, I grab a hold of one of my little kid's hands. And I said, let's go for a walk. And you know where we walk? We walk in the yard. We don't go for a long walk. We just walk in the yard. And we walk around the house. And I point to a tree. And I say, you see that tree over there? And my son or my daughter says, yes, sir, I see the tree. Says, you know who put that tree there? Yeah, God put the tree there. Right, right. God let that tree grow there. Now, man might have planted it, but God let it grow. And you know why he let it grow? He said, no, why? For you. So that you could sit under the shade of that tree. So that you could attach a swing to that tree. Then he'd go around to the, to the flower garden. And he'd point to the garden. He'd say, you see that flower? You like that flower? He'd say, oh, yeah, Dad, that's a pretty flower. You know, you know who put that flower there? Yep, God did. You know who he put it there for? Yep, he put it there for me. You know, they start to pick it up. And he uh, says, he put it there for me. You know what that did for his kids? Make God personal. But you know what? We can't do that to our kids until we first do it ourselves. <laughs> ourselves. You know, and, and, and that's all part of that business of just rejoicing and, and uh, getting joy from the Lord. Uh, point out uh, the blessings of God to yourself first, and then point it out to others, and particularly to your children. Um, it, as, you know, as you find verses of Scripture, one of the things I love about this church, I absolutely love about this church, um, I, I have had, and it happens often, somebody come, Pastor, Pastor, I found a really neat verse. And sometimes we do it, well, we always do it in Sunday school. 
And uh, sometimes during testimonies, uh, people will get up and say it. But there's other times when they'll just come up to me and say, did, did you, or I get a text, you know. Pastor, I found, finally, listen, you will never bug me at all <laughs> by texting me about a blessing you got from the book. You know what that does when you do that kind of thing? It c causes joy in your heart. You're making use of the day that God has given you. You are numbering your days and, and, and using them to their full capacity. Uh, it, it's just simply a, a God consciousness that we need to have on a day, daily basis. Look down in verse 17. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. And establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. He says, let the beauty of the Lord be upon you. Um, in um, Romans chapter 10 and verse 15, one of the ways you can let the beauty of the Lord be upon you is by being a witness. The Bible says in, in Romans 10, 15, how, how beautiful are the feet of those that, uh, that, that spread the gospel. I believe he, he picked out the feet because feet are absolutely ugly. I don't care who you are, ladies, I'm sorry. I don't care how well you paint them. Your feet are ugly. Uh, your, your toes are curly and your, you know, things are not. You say, yeah, but I go and I get a pedicure and I get all this. Uh, God bless your heart. Uh, but they're still ugly, okay? And, uh, and you know, when they're too long in a shoe, they stink and all that kind of stuff happens. But, but God says, man, you, you, you take, uh, you take uh, the gospel to somebody, and all of a sudden your feet turn beautiful. That's, a, that's, the, that's the, the, uh, uh, letting his beauty be upon you. Um, go, go with me to 1 Chronicles chapter 16. Look at this verse with me. 1 Chronicles. Chronicles is after Kings, 1 Chronicles 16. Look at verse 29 with me. 1 Chronicles 16, 29. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Have you done that today? Have you done that? Did you do that yesterday? Are you planning on doing it this week? Just giving God glory. It doesn't have to always be in public. It can be in private, just you and him. But, but give unto the Lord the glory. Do unto his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. There's something beautiful about purity. There's something beautiful about holiness and about being separated unto your God. Uh, let his beauty be upon you. Give out the gospel. Let his beauty be upon you. Be holy. Be, be pure. Be, be separated unto your God. And then take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah 61. Look at this one with me. Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61. And I want you to look with me. Down in verse 3. Isaiah 61, verse 3. 
says, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Uh, understand that God wants to turn whatever bad situation you might have in your life right now. He wants to turn that for his glory. He wants to turn that for his honor. Um, when, I, when I read those verses about giving beauty for ashes, uh, I think of a fellow we've had in our pulpit several times, Brother John Bishop. Uh, Brother Bishop got, got spinal meningitis and he lost his memory and he's really lost a lot of his health. Uh, and he, uh, he oftentimes has, has uh, uh, physical struggles. Uh, he lost his sight there for a while. And where's Jonathan? John, has he got his, 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 is his sight pretty much back? Is he able to see? Yes, no? Um, yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, but he was struggling with that for a while. Um, and yet... Uh, you know, uh, you meet Brother Bishop, and you're meeting a guy full of joy, full of joy. You know what he, you know what he's done? He's let God take those ashes and turn it into something beautiful. And when we see God in our situations, that can happen. And then, last of all, going back to Psalm 90, verse 17. It says, let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands, establish thou it. Do something for God that'll last. Do something for God. If you're going to number your days, you want to do something for God that's going to last for eternity. Uh, you know, we, we honestly, we don't have time to play church. Uh, the, the clock is ticking, and I don't need to tell you that. Uh, you know, if you know your Bible at all, the Lord is about to come back. Uh, I mean, you know, the Bible calls it the blessed hope. Uh, it seems like the closer we get to it, the more we hope for it, isn't it? That's pretty much what, the way it, it seems. Uh, but, but one of these days, we're going to see him face to face. We don't know. It could be today. We, we, we don't know when the, the second coming of Christ is, is imminent. Um, but we don't have time. The clock is ticking. Uh, what are you doing that will last for eternity? And regardless of what stage of life you're in, it makes no difference. God says, number your days. Teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. What are you doing with your days for God? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, thank you for the Psalm, Psalm 90, and the admonition that you give to us to number our days, not our years, not our lifetime, but day by day. Our days need to count for you. Maybe there's someone here that lacking some joy. They need to go to you and get that joy of the Lord. Maybe there's someone here that's struggling with a sin. They need to go to you and confess that sin, forsake it. Maybe there's someone here this morning who's not saved. 
And honestly, in a church like this, it could be that they're not saved, they know they're not saved, but everybody else thinks they are. Lord, help them to see, and only you can do this, but let them see that they're under condemnation right now. And they need to repent. And they need to believe on Jesus Christ. They need to come to you and get forgiveness, and you'll give it to them. Lord, our days are numbered. We don't have time to play games. Help us, Lord, to number our days and make them count. You, you think about Moses, and we think about those people in the, in the wilderness. Moses went through all of that, and then one day he blew it. And he wasn't allowed to go into the promised land. There was an entire generation that wasted their lives ramming around in that wilderness. They were supposed to go into the promised land. They never saw it. Lord, you so, so much desired to allow them to go in. But they wasted their lives rather than numbered their days. Teach us to number our days. Work on our hearts. And Lord, if there's something that we need to do, a decision we need to make, a sin we need to confess, help us, Lord, to get that thing taken care of today so today will count for Jesus Christ. For it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together.